seal that time of worship. Let's pray together. God, we thank you um, again for being with us. We thank you that you are love. It never runs out. It never fails. We can always, always, always count on it. And we're so grateful to be together, to celebrate, to worship, to look to you. I pray that you would be with us and that you would allow our hearts to be open and that we would hear from your thoughts today, God. We just love you and we give you all praise in your name. Amen. Um, is Bridget Hines here? Where's Bridget? Where's she at? Oh, she's right there. Okay, so I saw Bridget last night and she said, you're not going to cry tomorrow, are you? And I kind of took offense to that, just a little. But, oh, she said, are you? But she said it in kind of a little snarky way. But um, it's Bridget. But I can't, I, I just, I wanted to give you a heads up. I can't promise anything. I am pregnant, so I'm a little bit more emotional than I normally am. So there's just no, there's no telling what's going to happen. So we'll just, we'll just say that. But um, we want to we welcome you so, this morning. We're so excited to have you here with us at the Grove. Um, Jeff was here, and um, Maisie has a soccer festival today in Asheville, so he is uh, the parent to be that way. So, um, or is it that way? They're traveling to Asheville so she can play her games, so you get to hang out with me. So it's good. Yeah. Um, well, over the past few Sundays, we have been talking about worship. And Jeff has done just a tremendous job challenging us to look at the forms of worship, the way we worship. Is it in song? Is it in prayer? Is it through giving? Is it um, in different acts of service? Um, How do we worship God? How do we worship God? And so today I want to take that topic and kind of open it up a little bit more and to go a little bit deeper into what that looks like and how we live our days How does worship enter into your life on a day-to-day basis, on an everyday basis? The topic of um, why we are here, why we exist, our purpose, you know, this is something that we've been talking about for decades. You can Google that and you'll find article after article after article of thoughts and, you know, people writing their thoughts and we're here for this reason and we exist for this reason theologians and, you know, even now we have bloggers and writers and even, you know, our lovely TV personalities have tried to figure out why humanity is here. Why are we here? Why have we been placed on this earth? Why do we exist? And I'm sure all of us have spent time pondering this question. You know, you kind of get into that moment in your life where you just look around and you think, what on earth am I doing here? You know, why am I here? What, what is the reason I have been placed here? And we can't help but kind of investigate these thoughts. And sometimes we make a list or did anyone ever have to like write a purpose statement in any class in college? No, am I the only one? Totally. Bill, Travis, yes, thank you. I, I remember one of my classes, um, we had, it was a cultural anthropology class of all things, but we had to come up with a two sentence statement for, for why we exist. Like, for us personally, what is our personal purpose statement? And that's really hard to do. And if obviously, you know, that was 13 years ago, and it's a, a bit different than what I wrote then to how I feel now. And so even in a room this size, you know, even if we were to kind of survey every table or every row, we would have a variety of reasons of why you personally feel like you're here, why you exist. 
And even if we could agree, like many people do agree, that there's something bigger than our day-to-day -day living, if we could even agree on that, our list would still look very different. We would have a number of reasons of why we feel that we are on this earth. And that could range anywhere from career to pursuit of happiness to I want to be a good person to I'm the best, you know, football player in the world and so that's my purpose. I can sing, I can write, I'm an artist. So we have all of these different angles as to why we believe that we're here. In fact, um, it's kind of funny in our household, Jeff, I think he would, he's not here so I can say this, but um, I think that he would actually, this is about me, so, you know, it's not so much about him, but he would probably say that my purpose changes frequently. And, um, and he would say that, you know, I can't make up my mind and that I think of something different every week of what I want to do and, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be this, I'm going to do this. And, you know, it kind of goes like this, like when, when all is well in the world of motherhood, like we have, we have three kids, one on the way, um, and I'm out of breath already. But, um, so, you know, when all is well in the world of motherhood and, like, everyone is using manners and we're eating, like, really great meals and, you know, there's no fighting and we just have, all the rooms are clean and there's, like, not a towel dilemma. Does anyone else have a towel dilemma? Like, towels! They're always on the floor. Always. And then when I go to take a shower, there's no towels, like, anywhere. But, you know, like, on those days that everything as is, like, as it should be, I am, my purpose is being a mom, like, of course, and I'm like, I'm awesome at this, and Jeff, like, I was meant to do this, like, I was meant to be a mom, but, you know, then the minute everybody comes home, and there's fighting, and we're screaming, and nobody wants to go to bed, nobody wants to do their homework, I'm like, that purpose is out the door, and, and I have this new idea, like, I should be a yoga instructor, you know, I should go far away and where kids aren't allowed to come to yoga classes, you know, and that's my new purpose. And, you know, that changes and, you know, that changes the next day. So you can relate to that, right? You know, you, you know, not even, not, you know, not even just women here, men, you can relate to that because what happens to us in this culture is whatever catches our eye, whatever seems attractive in the moment becomes our new fascination and our new purpose. We get so excited about this, and then it's like, oh, but our attention is drawn to this, and we want to try out something different. Or we become dissatisfied with the life that we have, the life that we've been given, and so we want to try something different, and we want to have a, a new meaning and a new purpose. Book after book after book has been written and dedicated to this very topic. But the reason that we're on this earth is not all of those lists. It's not for me to be a yoga instructor or for me to be an outstanding mother. Th those may be things I do. But the reason that we're placed on this earth is bringing all of humanity, all of humanity together for one purpose. We all have one purpose. But, like I was saying, you can see the dis dissatisfaction all over our culture because we cannot find peace and satisfaction with why God has placed us here. We have midlife crisis. We have divorce. We have affairs. We have, I mean, who hasn't tried to diet, like a new diet every other week, right? You know, you want to lose weight. Oh, but I want pizza. I want to lose weight. You know, we try something different. We spend money. We save money. 
We are in debt. We perhaps don't honor our spouses. We don't honor our families. We perhaps cut corners in morality when it comes to values. We constantly find ways. We kind of maneuver ourselves in this world, and we go with whatever feels good, whatever seems attractive in the moment. And we're missing the very reason why God has placed us on this earth. If there is a disconnect with how we live on our day-to-day, if there is a disconnect between that and our professed belief in God, something isn't working. Somehow we're not understanding what God has created in us, how unique and special we are in our service to him. So today I want to kind of share something with you It's a bit bold and maybe a bit much, but um, it's very simple, but it's so, 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 so hard to follow through. I really, really believe that every single one of us is on this earth for one reason. And you can make a list and you can make a mission statement and you can, you know, create a whole life purpose, you know, book. But the reason that we are here is for one reason, and it is to worship God. He has given every single person the opportunity as his created sons and daughters to spend their lifetime on this earth, the days that we are given as a gift, to discover how it is that we are supposed to worship him as our creator. And that can look completely different for all of us, but that is why we are here. I want to kind of go deeper into this question, but before I do, I want to answer a few things as to why this this purpose can't be this list of things. If a reason that we're put on this earth is exclusive and it only fits for those of us that are, you know, privileged in this country, it doesn't work. So if you think about, like, the privileges that we have they're a bit exclusive when you think of our world in the entire sense. So if, if a purpose is your career, that, is, that, can't, that can't work because that, that only fits for some of us. If your purpose is to um, have a family, that, that can't work because that only fits for some of us. Some of us are single. Some of us are widows. Some of us are without parents, without family. So it can't, that, that can't be the, the, the one purpose. It can't be money, because Lord knows, like, that's different for all of us. It can't be the pursuit of happiness, because we, on a pretty big scale, are not happy people. It can't be to be a good person, because we will fail, like, day one. We're just not good on our own. There is something in us that needs more, that needs bigger. It does, if, if, if it doesn't work for every single person in here and for every person across this world, it, does, it's, it cannot be our purpose. It would be like me looking at my kids, my three kids, and saying, well, Maisie's my firstborn, so I'm going to love her, and I'm going to pursue her, and I'm going to put all my faith and my favor in her, and Canon and Rio, like, they're on their own. They're just going to have to figure it out. And I cannot give, you know, them the attention that I'm going to give Maisie because I choose her because she is better than they are. That would be stupid of me as a mom. That would make no sense. 
So when we think of God creating all of us, why on earth would he say, okay, for those of you that live in the United States of America, they're living middle-class lives, like, you guys, you are, I'm putting all of my chips in you. Like, I'm banking all of my efforts in, in, you know, the kingdom of God growing is just in you. It It would make absolutely no sense, right? So, The purpose that brings all of humanity together has to be available to everyone. It has to fit all people. And it has to be global because it cannot just be in this room or in this community or in this state or in this country. It has to be something that is available to every single person we see, that we know, that we don't know. God has created us to worship him. Period. And that is something that's available to every person on this earth. Back in January, I had the opportunity to go to Guatemala with the team here from the Grove. And it was just such an amazing experience. It was something that I think about constantly. I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to stop bearing children and go back. Um, I, I, yeah, I know. I just keep being pregnant. But um, it is... It's seriously something that is in my heart and in my mind, and I think about those faces, and I think about those families all the time. And one of the things that that stuck with me so much after going there was that these women, these widows, so we focused our efforts, she might be showing some of the pictures, yeah. So we focused our efforts working in this mountainous region um, called the Shield Triangle, where many women and children had fled during the Civil War, and then just wherever they stopped, they they created a home. And so they were just scattered in this area, and so we focused our efforts in working in these areas and building homes for these families. One of the things that is just will blow your mind about these people is that they live, according to our standards, in complete, you know, disrepair. They live in, like, despair. They live in these conditions that none of us would place our families in. None of us would say, okay, I'm going to give up here and I'm going to go live there. We, it, unless you're, like, you know, it would be really difficult for any of us to want to do that, to choose that. But what is amazing about these women, these widows, is that they completely get God. They 100% get God. They know God's heart and they reflect it to every every person around them. And they don't hold anything back. And they didn't look at me as like this white American woman who comes in and tries to help them. They, they didn't look at me any differently or treat me any differently than they would treat their own family. They were loving and caring and just bright-eyed people. And what is so amazing about who they are and who we are is that when God looks at those widows who sleep on the floor and, you know, these tiny, tiny structures, like the, the picture, one of those pictures is one of the homes that we actually built. They're 12 by 12 structures with a dirt floor. God looks at her and me and he sees the same thing. He sees the same thing. I have food on my table and I have clothes to choose from in my closet. I have a roof over my head and I have air conditioning when I start to like overheat. And these women and children have none of those amenities that we are so accustomed to. And the way that God sees their heart 
and my heart is the same. Because we all have been created to worship him. And so he sees that as an opportunity for those widows, and he sees that as an opportunity for us here. He does not see us different. And until we really understand that the, God, the purpose of God cannot be exclusive, it cannot be you know, just this section of people, that it has to be all-inclusive, it has to be global, and it has to be understood inside of us for, our, for us to actually get why we are here. What is your purpose? Why were you placed on this earth? To succeed in a career, to have a lot of money, to drive a nice car, to have a big family and perfect children? No. He has placed us in our lives, the lives that we're living, because he wants us to learn to worship him. And maybe we have a bit more trouble in this culture than those widows in Guatemala because we can't see past all the stuff, all the problems, all the layers, all the stress, the anxiety, the pressures, the things that we long for, you know, when we're not content it is very difficult for us to understand the heart of God and why he has placed us in the lives that we're living right now. Jen Hatmaker, she's a pastor's wife from Austin, Texas, and she um, is an author and somebody I follow her blog. And she, she wrote this, and I thought this was such an amazing statement. She said, we are to make him known and to make Jesus look as valuable as he is. We are to make him known and to make Jesus look as valuable as he is. And are we really doing that? Or are we kind of muddy, you know, have muddy waters in front of us because we, we have so much keeping us from making Jesus look valuable? We have all this stuff and worry and distraction that we may not be presenting the best of who God is to the world around us. Another author, Rachel Held Evans, she writes this book that we're doing in Moms Group right now. It's called A Year of Biblical Womanhood. Don't knock it until you try it. It's an awesome book. Um, This quote stood out to me. She says, the divine resides in all of us, all of us, but it is our choice to magnify it or diminish it, to ignore it or surrender to its lead. The divine resides in all of us. I'm no better than that woman, those women in Guatemala, just because it looks like I have more put together because I have makeup or because I can take a shower. The divine resides in her probably a bit more than me because I'm so stuck and what I can't do and what I don't have and what is wrong with my marriage and what is making my kids drive me crazy. The divine resides in all of us to be a reflection of worship to God every day. In Colossians chapter 1, if you want to turn there, the verse will be up on the screen. Colossians chapter 1. Starting, I'm going to read verse 16 and verse 17. This is Paul, and he writes, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He uses the phrase all things four times, probably to get our attention. All things were created by him. All things were created for him. In him, all things hold together. All things, all people. And I think that what is really difficult for us to get is that we are created for him. We, we kind of get the by him part, you know? We're like, yeah, I'm created by God. I'm, I, I love God. I'm created by God. But it says we're created by him, for him. This is our purpose. This is our direction in life. This is why we are here. For him. For him. Not to be great people, not to do good things, not to serve and, you know, and, and add kind of some stars on our chart. We are created for him, to worship him, to honor him, and to make him look as valuable as he is to the people that are around us. So the widows of Guatemala, you and, and, and me, the people at your table, your neighbors, your co-workers, the family members that drive you crazy, you know, the strangers that you, you meet on the street or in the grocery store, Every single one of us has been created by him, for him. And that is our purpose. It sounds pretty simple, but I think that what is so difficult for us is all the stuff and the things that prevent us from worshiping God in our day-to-day lives. But everybody here has the ability to use ordinary elements, ordinary stuff, in your day-to-day living, to worship God, to bring glory to his name, to allow people around you to recognize that his love is in you. That is supposed to be visible to the people that we're shoulder-to-shoulder with, to the people that we're serving with, loving on them, because God is in us, and we're here for him. I want to see if, if you connect to any of these, these the following statements. So um, I'm going to just read a few statements and just think to yourself if this sounds like you. I am busy. I am distracted. I am stressed. And I am anxious. I'm not content. And I'm waiting for my life to seem fair. I have excuses. I am tired. I am sad. I am lonely, I am lost, I am self-critical, and I carry shame. How could God possibly adore me when I fail him constantly? How could my purpose be to display him when I'm barely holding it together? If, If not one or more than one, everybody in here can relate to one of those statements. And it's no wonder that these precious widows, they get it far more than most of us do in this room. These women, they completely live their lives trusting God, loving God, displaying God, with no, holding nothing back. 
But we connect with these types of statements because something in us is off, something doesn't feel right, we go to bed upset, we wake up upset, we, we maybe start our day and we're not even sure if we, wanna, we can get through the day. We're frustrated, we question God, we wonder. And these women have just figured out how simple it is to choose to trust and to worship God. I want to share a story with you from the book of Acts. And this is Paul, again. And he is kind of caught in this situation where he's, try, he's waiting for Silas and Timothy to rejoin him. So he's kind of like hanging out in here for a while. He's in, he's in Athens. And he's really struck when he comes to this area and he's waiting because he sees that it's just full of, of idols, full of, of, of opportunities for people to worship other than God. So false idols, and in, in, in their, their meeting places, their synagogues and temples, there's even idols there for people to come and to worship, not God, okay? So he is trying to have conversation, and he's trying to, you know, basically have, like, tell me your thoughts. I'm going to tell you mine, and I want to hear why it is that you feel like worshiping these idols is okay. Why, why is this okay? So they kind of go round and round, and back and forth on their views, and it's, it's really interesting that he points this out before he goes into addressing them. And, and this is Acts chapter 17, if you wanted to take a look at this. So they've been having these, this dialogue, and something that he points out before he, he, he addresses them as a group, he says this, and this just really stands out to me. He says, all the Athenians and the foreigners who have lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So he takes the time to, to, to mention this before he goes to address them. And I'm going to read that to you in just a moment. But it's, I think it's so interesting that he takes the moment to address this point. Because, number one, I think our culture can relate to idols. Like, there's... There's, there's stuff that we worship all the time that's other than God. And whether we would want to admit it or not, we place things constantly above God. We, we get distracted. We think we have kind of things figured out. And we try to live our lives without him on our own strength. So he, he points out that they have all these idols. And then he says, they sit around and they do nothing but talk about their newest and latest ideas. They sit around and do nothing. And I think this can relate to us because it's very familiar. We love to talk. We love to share ideas. We love to, to say, oh, this is my latest thought on this. Or I think the scripture is saying this. Or I think God might be saying this. And we talk and we write and we, and we create dialogue and we don't do anything. And this is what this, this community in Athens, they're, they're completely stuck because they're worshiping the wrong thing and they don't understand that their purpose is to worship God. So of course they're stuck and they can't do anything but talk because that, that is what they know how to do. So then he goes on and he, he's, he's getting frustrated because they're not listening and he addresses them 
um, as, the, as a group. And so this is what he says, and he, he proclaims this to them um, in verse 24. So starting in verse 24, chapter 17. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he gives himself, he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So as Americans, we have become very skilled at staying busy, living distracted, creating lists of why we are here and I'm, I'm supposed to do this and I'm created to do this. And we're missing the point of our purpose. And, and here Paul is saying, God on, on purpose made himself available so that we would recognize our need for him because we cannot find anything satisfying in this life without him. And all of our attempts to find happiness, to find goodness, to find, you know, arrive to where we think we're supposed to be as people, they will always come up empty without God. Always. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, of the Lord of heaven, does not live in temples built by human hands. So God is is everywhere, is what Paul is trying to say. And you can try to create these idols, but they will never, ever satisfy your soul. We are to worship him here. We are to worship him in our jobs. We are to worship him in our homes, in our communities, in Guatemala. Because he is not confined to the things that we create. He is everywhere And our purpose is to draw people to him by how we live, how we worship him. That verse in Colossians, you know, we were created by him for him. That is our direction and that is our purpose in this life. We were created to worship him and display his glory. And and we have a powerful need for God that if we keep running and searching and trying and grabbing hold of what catches our eye, we will never be satisfied. And Paul is saying to these people in, in Athens, God is available to you and he wants you to recognize that you need him. You cannot do your life on your own strength. You cannot achieve great things and have great purpose if you are disconnected to God and worshiping elsewhere. Your heart was created to turn to God. Your life was created to connect to God. And when we kind of get on that hamster wheel of trying and trying and trying, we will never feel satisfied without him. So this morning, 
I really wanted to take the, the topic of worship, what Jeff has been sharing with us over the last few weeks, for us to be able to recognize that our purpose, the reason we're here, is for God. And so my purpose is the same as across the world, you know, in Guatemala, those women and I, we share that connection because God sees us the same. And, and he sees our hearts the same. And he longs for us to recognize our need for him. I'm going to have the band um, come back up on stage. So when we let this purpose get inside of us, when we let this become why we live, we will feel a deeper connection to who God has made us. When we kind of throw away the lists of all the things that we believe we're here for, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to be a yoga instructor. Maybe I will one day, but, you know, that's not why I'm here. But if I do that, I'm doing it through my purpose in God. Using your talents for God, using your marriage, using your relationships, using your job, using the places that God puts you to bring worship to him. And when we let this purpose get inside of us, this is how you succeed at all the things that you're passionate for. I'm not saying, like, if you're a great musician, you shouldn't be a great musician. Or if you are an outstanding writer or an artist or you love to cook or you love to organize. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pursue the passions that God has given us. But when we do them disconnected from him, they will never be all that they can be. They will never be what God has intended them to be. So, th- so this morning, if you're a parent, you, you worship God as a parent in, in raising your kids and in your home. And, and if you're married, you worship God in your marriage. If you have a career, you worship God in your career. You honor your boss. You honor your coworkers. If you are a student, if you are an athlete, if you... Uh, you know, musician or whatever it is that you are, you find your purpose and your connection in God creating you for him. Because it's not enough for us to know that we were created by him. He is calling our hearts to recognize that we are for him. And he needs us to, to, to be able to worship him so that we can display his glory to this world. Uh, Jeff Marr is going to come and we're going to kind of transition right now in the service and continue on in worship um, and, the, and the opportunity for you to give and the opportunity for you to worship in song. But as we kind of move into that direction, I just want you to, to be challenged by these thoughts and to think about who, who do you believe that you are and to consider that you were created to worship God, Period. And it's something that's available to all people. It's available to everyone here and and everyone in this world. So we're going to continue on in worship. And Jeff's going to come and share with you just a moment. um, And we're going to worship together in giving and song.